for a quick second. If you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to, to listen to the message from last week, because this is going to be part two to that, and it is on the website. Um, but this is one of the most important truths and principles that the Lord has shared with my life, with me many, many years ago. And, and my prayer is that you have ears to hear what the Lord wants to say to you today, not to us. I mean, he's going to speak to us together, but he also wants to speak to you. Amen? Amen. And so, but we have to choose. Just because you're sitting here, and just because the sound waves of my voice are going to wash over your ears, doesn't mean that you're going to receive what God has for you. You have to choose. You know, Jesus, when he spoke, he said, he who has ears to hear. Now, he was talking to people that had two ears on the side of their head, right? So he's talking spiritually and emotionally, I believe, that you have a choice right now, whether you're going to receive or not what God wants to say to you. So, Father, we just invite you to prepare our hearts to embrace and receive what you have to say to us. We thank you, Father, that your word is truth and your truth sets us free as we continue in your word. And so we choose to open our hearts and to receive and to partner with what you want to say. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are an amazing teacher, regardless of the vessel. You are an amazing teacher. And we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week I was talking about how we grow up in Christ. Because how many of you guys need, realize that we need to grow up? We need to grow up in Christ. You know, when we're, when we're born again, we're born again into his kingdom, we're, we're, we're babies. And you can choose to stay a baby all your life, which would be kind of awkward, or you can choose to grow up into Christ as he desires. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, I'm reading out of the, the Passion Translation. This is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. He says, brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. For you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with the solid food of more advanced teachings, because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready to be fed with solid food, for you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you are living your lives centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh, and behaving like unbelievers. Now, as we saw, or as we might know, that the church in Corinth uh, was a very powerful church. You know, the gifts of the Spirit that God made available were, were, in, were rampantly in use. There was a lot of chaos. Things were out of order. People weren't loving each other the way God intended for us to love each other. And basically, people were acting like babies, as Paul was saying. He said, when I came to you, his desire was to share with them deeper truths. But he says, you, you're not ready for that yet because you're acting like unbelievers. And so the Lord wants us to grow up into Christ. That's his, that's his uh, 
plan, his purpose for us. But can I submit to you that you and I growing up into maturity is not an automatic thing. Just because you are a Christian does not mean that you're going to grow up into maturity. Because right here, he's talking to the church and he's saying, you're not where you should be. I mean, we can be, I can be born again in 1985, which I was, and still be an immature believer. Or I can grow up and allow God to develop me. And what does that look like? That, that looks like submitting to his word, submitting to his dealings in my life. Amen. And last week we talked about the gift and the importance of the body of Christ. You know, people, you may have heard this, you may believe this, I've heard this. You know, people say, well, I don't have to be a Christian to go to church. And that is true. You don't have to be a Christian to come to church. But when, if we have that mentality, in other words, if we have the mindset that I can take or leave church, I can take or leave the body of Christ, then we really don't understand how God set things up. We really don't understand the Word of God. And yes, you can be a Christian, but I believe not a mature Christian. Because it takes your brothers and sisters, it takes church leadership to help you develop and grow up into Christ. Now I'm going to share some things that I hope challenge you. Because if, you don't, if you're not challenged, then you probably fall asleep and not pay attention, right? But I hope they challenge you. And everything that I say, I challenge you to check it out with Scripture. You don't just take it because I said it, right? Now, you can hear what I'm saying, but then you got to say, wait a minute, what does the Word say? Does the Word really say that? And if it doesn't say what I'm saying, then chunk what I'm saying, but not the Word. There I'm again holding up the phone, you know, read your Word. New school, new school. Okay, um, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16 out of the Passion Translation. It says, and he has appointed some, now he is talking about Jesus, okay? It says, and he has appointed some with grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling, who's calling? The five... Um, ministry leaders that he just talked about, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, and the pastors. He says, and their calling is to nurture and prepare all of the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. So you as a believer have works of ministry. God has callings, has a calling, purpose, plans for you. And the purpose of leadership the fivefold ministry leaders that Jesus has given to the church, their purpose is to help equip you and me to grow up so that I can be, we can be effective in the giftings and callings that God has put in our life. So if you remove yourself from the body of Christ and say, I don't need the church to be a Christian, then you are removing yourself from the very gifts that God intends to be in your life so you can grow up into him. And they're calling us to nurture and, and prepare all the body, holy believers to do their own works of ministry. 
And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until, now listen, these grace ministries will function until. So have they passed away yet? Do we still need apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists and pastors? We will need them until we all attain oneness into the faith until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. In other words, till we grow up into maturity. Have we matured yet fully? Have we matured fully yet? No. Then we still need those gifts. We still need those gifts. And the question is, Jesus has placed those gifts in the body of Christ. Have you submitted yourself to the gifts that God has put in the body of Christ? See, that's the bigger question. It's not that whether there's, we believe in apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists, but what place do they have in your life? That's the question. What place do they have in mine and your life? And then our immaturity will end and we will not be easily shaken by trouble nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries, check this out, all of our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member, everybody say every member. Talking about the, every member of his body, which are believers. If you've committed your life to Jesus, if you're born again, then you are one of those members. And it says, and every member has been given. Say, I have been given divine gifts to keep to myself. Now check this out. It says, every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. If you separate yourself from the body of Christ, how are you going to contribute to the growth of all? If you're separated from the body of Christ, then how are you going to grow up into Christ the way he intends for you to grow up? Because you're missing out on the gifts that he's given to help us grow up. Are you hearing me? Now, how many of you guys realize that the church is perfect? That all of us members, we are perfect, and we don't make any mistakes. We don't offend people. We don't hurt people. We don't do those things because we're Christians. And see, here's the amazing thing, because we know that what I just said is, is absurd. Of course we're not perfect. Of course we make mistakes. Of course we offend each other. We hurt each other. But God, in his sovereignty and in his amazing awesomeness, has chosen to use an imperfect institution, an imperfect body, to accomplish his will. So if you're waiting until we get our act together and we're all perfect before you choose to submit to the body of Christ then it ain't going to happen. Are you with me? See, that's just how awesome he is. That he uses imperfect people to accomplish his will. 
He uses imperfect people, and he will use imperfect people in your lives if you so choose to allow that to happen to help you develop and grow up into Christ and to become more mature and to become more effective. But you have a choice. Are you with me? Are you still hearing me? And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And these, and as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. So in this whole passage, 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 in this passage that we just read, verses 11 through 16, some people can put the emphasis on the fivefold ministry gifts, the apostles, the prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, and say that's the most important part. And that's not true. Because in this passage, he talks about the need of the leadership ministry gifts, and he talks about the members. Together, we're going to help each other grow up into Christ. It's not just the ministry leaders, and it's not just the non-ministry leaders, but it's all of us together. Do you see that in that passage? And as, the gifts, as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. Ephesians 5, 20 and 21, it says, Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And that word subject is a Greek word, which I looked up before, but I forgot how to pronounce it, but it's a Greek word, and it it means to willingly, voluntarily subject yourself to. The Bible is saying right there that we are to submit ourselves, subject ourselves one to another. If I I separate myself from the body of Christ, then how am I going to submit myself to you? Now, why is it important? Why is it encouraging us to submit ourselves to one another? Because we just read in the previous passage, Ephesians 4, That I need what you have because what you have and your contribution is going to help me grow up into Christ. Are you with me still? So it's important for us to willingly submit to one another. Do you see that? It says it right there. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Ephesians 5, 20 and 21. Now I'm going to read Hebrews 13, 17. And here's what I want to emphasize on. There's a lot of stuff. The emphasis is on the body of Christ and the importance of the body of Christ in my and your development. If I want to grow up, I can stay an infant in Christ. I can stay a baby. I can stay immature. I can stay ineffective and fruitless. Or I can choose to submit, commit myself to his process and grow up in Christ. That is my choice. That is your choice. Are you hearing me? That is your choice. See, I have a choice. No one can make you grow up. No, you don't have to repeat that. (laughs) That's just the truth. No one can make you grow up. That is your choice, and that's my choice. Hebrews 13, 17, out of the Amplified. It says, obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, recognizing their authority over you. For they are keeping watch over your souls and continually guarding your spiritual welfare as those who will give an account of their stewardship of you. 
Let them do this with joy and not with grief and groans, for this would be of no benefit to you. Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, recognizing their authority over you. Now, I know that right there causes some people to cringe. And I want to say this. You know, a few months ago, I would have had a hard time sharing what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning. Because it can come across as self-serving. Because me being the pastor telling you, you see what that verse says right there? Y'all better obey the word of God. But because we all know that my time as pastor is coming to an end, so I get to speak to you as a brother. Are you hearing me? I get to speak to you as a brother, not someone trying to tell you that you need to submit to me, but someone that's trying to encourage you as a brother the importance of listening to God's word and submitting to his word, and particularly right here, because this is a gift that God has made available for you and me so that we can grow up into Christ. And many people are rejecting this gift because for whatever reason they don't want to or they don't like it, and they're missing out. And their growth is being stunted. And they will never be able to be as effective as God wants them to be because this is not some small thing right here. This is not. This is one, one principle of spiritual leadership and authority that I learned as a young Christian. I thank God that I did. Because of my participation and submission to God's word, particularly in this area, has brought many blessings into my life and protection and provision that I believe would have been missed out if I would have disregarded this truth. You know, back when, before Lisa and I were married, about six years ago, ish, yeah, six, (laughs) um, we're going on 30 years. Lisa and I are going on 30 years of being married. And when, before we got married and, and when I realized how much I liked this girl and I wanted, to, I wanted to marry her and live with her the rest of my life, and when I found out that, asked her if she'd marry me and she agreed to that, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. But we decided because we so much believe in the principle of authority, spiritual authority, that we made the agreement. Now, we're adult. We were two adults which means we can do whatever we want to, right? As in, you can do whatever you want to. Do you realize that? You can do what you want to do. Now, there are consequences, but we can still do what we want to do. But I made the choice to, we made the choice because we love Jesus, honor his word, and recognize his spiritual authority, that we made the commitment because we wanted to make sure that we were God's will for each other. And particularly in our situation, because if you haven't noticed yet in these many years, Lisa ain't black like I am. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not. Now, back in the day, in some locations and some places, do you realize that in Virginia, not too long ago, it was illegal for a black and a white person to marry? And that's where I'm from. I'm from Virginia. It's illegal. And it wasn't too long ago that that was law, that it was illegal for interracial marriage. And so when we first got married or we were considering marriage, we were closer to that mentality. It's not as big a deal as it is now, but it was bigger back then. 
Now, you know, we like to ignore those kinds of things because they're, they're not comfortable, but that's just reality. And so Lisa and I love Jesus, totally committed to him. We loved each other, but we wanted God's will first. And so we said, God, we want your will. So how do we know if it's God's will? Well, we can just pray real hard and until we feel something. Or we can, we can say, God, how do we find out? One, the Bible says that um, in the abundance of counselors, there's victory. And I believe he's talking about spiritual counselors. I believe he's talking about authority. Now, that's my opinion on that. But right here when he talks about authority, he says, obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, recognizing their authority over you. So I believe in authority, spiritual authority. And so what we did is we said, okay, we will only get married if my parents, both of them, Lisa's parents, both of them, and our pastor, all five, give us their blessing. If one out of five did not, then we said it is not God's will. Because, see, we believe that God's yes is bigger than man's no. We believe that if God said, this is my will for you, CJ and Lisa. So we said, okay, God, we put this in your hands by submitting to our authorities, and we ask you to deal with them. And so if he didn't want us to get married, then he would say no through one of them. All it has to take, 20%. We were giving God veto power through his leaders in our lives by submitting to that. And next week I'll tell you if we got married or not, okay? And so every, you know, I remember going to Pastor Dale, first one. And, and I was... You know, some people, it might seem obvious. Well, obviously now it is because we're back on, the, on this side of it. But I was terrified because I wanted to spend the rest of my life with this lady, and I didn't, I wasn't 100% sure it was God's will. And I remember going to Pastor Dale, saying, hey, Pastor Dale, I'd like to talk to you about Mary and Lisa. And he got really excited. I mean, it kind of shocked me. I'd never seen that much emotion <laughs> come from Pastor Dale. But he gave me his wholehearted blessing. And I talked to my parents. I can't remember who I did first, whether it was my parents or Lisa's parents. It was all scary, so it's all a blur. But so all five of our authorities in our lives said yes and gave us their blessing. Now, why was that important? One, because we wanted to know God's will. And I believe that if I submit to his process the way he has it set up, then we get to fall under his blessings, protection, and provision. And I never... Because of the, how we did that and how God worked that out, I was never in doubt as to whether she was God's will for my life. So the enemy was never able to use that card. He couldn't. And I believe because of that, the benefits that we have in our lives and our marriage because of submitting to God's word and his ways. Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, recognizing their authority over you, for they keep watch over your souls and continually guarding your spiritual welfare as those who will give an account of their stewardship of you. Let them do this with joy and not with grief and groans, for this would be of no benefit to you. You know, God really cares about you. He really, really, really does. And so he set things up for mine and your benefit. See, a lot of times we see God's word that seems restrictive. We see it in a negative light. Oh, God just didn't want me to have fun. God just wants to, to keep me restricted. But if we would begin to see his word, his laws, his commands 
in the light of his love, which means behind every seemingly negative command are two positive things that God wants to do. Between from every seemingly negative command, there are two things we know that God wants to do. So right here when it says, obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, that seems kind of negative to me. Say, God, what are you wanting to do? I believe God's wanting to do two things. He's wanting to provide you with something and protect you from something. Provide you with something and protect you from something. So when God says, thou shalt not, it's like, hmm, what is God? Okay, if I follow this command, what is God wanting to provide for me? For example, sex outside of marriage. We know what the word says on that. It says don't. But that seems kind of negative and restrictive. But behind every seemingly negative command, there are two positive things that God wants to do. He's wanting to provide me with something and protect me from something. We can imagine what God would want to protect me from or you from if he says don't have sex outside of marriage. You can imagine, it's not hard to imagine what is he wanting to provide me with and what is he wanting to protect me from. Right? Are you with me? So if we would look at his word in light of that, that God does love me, he has my best interest in mind, even in hard scriptures when it doesn't seem like it. If I would learn to see the heart of God behind every command, I'm going to be in a better situation. And I want to share a a story, something that happened to me uh, many years ago when I was a youth pastor that kind of brings us home to me. When I was a youth pastor, Lisa and I were youth pastors, and we would take them annually to a youth conference called Acquire the Fire. And so we were at this conference, and, and Acquire the Fire, Ron Luce was the leader of that, and he was hardcore into teenagers and hardcore into missions. His passion was to get teenagers in America and get them sent all over the world to do missions all over the world. That was his passion. So we knew that when we took our youth to his conference, we knew the flavor that they were going to receive. They were going to be encouraged, challenged, motivated to do missions. Short term, whether short term or long term, we knew that that's what they were going to come away with. So we're at this conference, and he's talking, of course, to the teenagers. Of course, only, not us adults. But as he's talking, man, God starts dealing with me. He starts just getting me and just breaking my heart. And I never really even thought of Africa before. But all of a sudden, my heart was breaking for Africa. I mean, so much so that I was crazy. And this wasn't even an altar call. It wasn't like, y'all come forward and let God deal with it. This is why the guy was preaching. And we're sitting in our chairs in the stands, I believe in the maybe center, so way up in the nosebleed. And I'm just crying. I mean, gut-wrenching, snot-slinging, crying. And, I, and I'm not exaggerating. When I'm, when, you know, the, the, the stuff coming out of your orifices, you know, all that stuff. I mean, it, I couldn't stop. And it was, it was just gut-wrenching. My stomach was hurting and cramping. Just, and so he was breaking my heart for Africa. And so after that, I just knew youth conference. We took our youth. I'm a youth pastor. He's breaking my heart for Africa. I knew that God wanted me to take our youth to Africa. I just knew it because that was one of the opportunities that Ron Luce offered is youth groups or just youth individually or as groups can go on these mission trips all over the world. 
And of course, there was, there was mission trips to Africa. And I just knew that God wanted me to take our teenagers to Africa. Now, here's the deal. It cost several thousand dollars. And the time frame, because each annually, we would take our youth to Mexico. We did that annually on mission trips to Mexico. So I just knew this year, instead of going to Mexico, God was wanting us to go to Africa. So I get back, and at this point, I, I don't think I was an elder. I wasn't an elder. I was a youth pastor. I wasn't an elder. But I was going to share. I want to share with the elders what God put on my heart, right? These men of God. So God put this in my heart. I knew what God wanted to do, so I'm sharing with the elders. And I said, hey, God wants us to go to Africa, take all the teenagers, the ones that wanted to go to Africa. Well, how much is it? A billion dollars. I don't remember how much, but it was a lot. I mean, it was a lot of money. And when do we have to raise this billion dollars? Oh, tomorrow. You know, I mean, it was a, the short, the time frame was very short and the monetary need was very high. So as we talked about it, basically elders said no. Now I'm just giving you the short version, but basically they didn't agree. They said no. And I knew they were wrong because I knew what God put in my heart. Are you hearing me? I knew God broke my heart for Africa, and he wanted me to take the youth to Africa. So when I left that meeting, I was extremely discouraged. Of course, I wasn't going to show up because I'm a man. We don't do that. So I walked from Dale's office to my office, and I was really bummed out. And, uh, and Dale came by, and he saw me. He said, how you doing, brother? He knew. You know, it's like dads know. They know. He knew I was, I was discouraged, but I was sucking it up, being a man, and that kind of thing. And uh, I said, I'm good, I'm good, and, and, but I wasn't, I wasn't. And I was really frustrated because these men of God were wrong. They missed it. And I'm suffering the consequences because they're not seeing, they're not being open to what the Lord wants to do. Quit laughing. So, so I'm standing there, and the Lord tells me, he says, son, just, just park it on a shelf. So that thing that the Lord gave me, he said, just put it on a shelf right now. And so I did. And then he wasn't as gentle when he told me these next words, but still loving. He said, watch your attitude towards your leaders. I wanted to say, you watch your attitude. Because I was having an attitude. And you think some stupid stuff when you're having a bad attitude, right? But anyway, he said, watch your attitude towards your leaders. And so he was putting his finger on something. So he said, put it on a shelf and just watch your attitude towards your elders, your leaders. And so I did. He, that's where he would not just let that go. He didn't tell me to put that on the shelf. He said, we're going to deal with that right now. And so I allowed him to help me with that, and I was able to fully bless, forgive, and release them. And my attitude was good. Attitude was good. Parked it on the shelf. Forgot all about it. Forgot all about Africa. And we ended up taking our youth to Mexico that year, that summer. And several months later, matter of fact, it was Thanksgiving weekend. 
um, we're over at my in-laws' house, and some friends come over, and Barbara, Barbara's a lady, uh, those of you who know Barbara, Barbara Monroe, who happens to be Dale's cousin, uh, she's a world traveler, passionate fireball for Jesus. I just love this lady. I have so much respect for this lady. Well, she's short, so I have so much respect for her. Powerful woman of God that loves Jesus and loves people and, and just missions. She's just a hardcore missionary. Well, every once in a while, she would invite me to go with her on some mission trip. So we were having, having a good time just hanging out. And she looked at me. She said, hey, CJ, I'm taking a team to uh, Egypt and Israel. Would you like to go? No, I want you to pray about going w- with us. I'm like, yeah, right. I'm like, who doesn't want to go to Israel, right? And she goes, no, I'm serious. I'm like, you are? She goes, yeah. So I said, okay, yeah, I'll pray. And because, uh, of course, God's saying yes. <laughs> who doesn't want to go to Israel, right? So anyway, she invited me to go to a team meeting. In Enid, so I went to a team meeting just to check it out and see what God might be saying. And as I left that meeting, man, my heart was on fire. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, God, please don't be playing. Don't be playing. Either say yes or no, but make it clear. If it's no, let me know so I can can forget about this. My heart was burning. And I'm driving back to Enid. And and I was late in the process. So I only had a few days to come up with the ticket. The plane ticket, this is back, I don't know how long ago this was, a long time ago, but the plane ticket was $1,100. It might as well have been a million because I didn't have either. But she said, you need to let us know. We need, you need an answer by, it was a couple of days later, which meant I had to have $1,100. And so I'm like, God, please let me know, yes or no. And then so a couple of days later, uh, Barbara calls me. And she goes, are you going to Israel with us? I'm like, well, I would love to go, but she goes, hold on, before you answer, she said, someone in their church has anonymously agreed and decided to pay for my plane ticket. I'm like, what? She goes, so if you believe God wants you to go, your ticket's taken care of. I'm like, let me get back with you. And so I met with the elders. I explained to them this situation, this opportunity that had arisen, and uh, they got all excited about it. They're like, man, this sounds, this sounds really neat. sounds like God. And they said, how much is the trip? I told them I think I needed four or $500 for living expenses over there, for travel expenses. And uh, I said, the plane ticket's already taken care of if I go. They said, well, we'll take care of all the other expenses. So just like that, my plane ticket was taken care of and all the travel expenses. Say, cool. So I'm on the trip, 43,000 feet later, flying overseas, and I'm just as happy as can be. And the Lord starts talking to me. He says, what you doing? I mean, we kind of have these kind of conversations, these casual. He says, what you doing? Now, he doesn't speak improper English. I'm not saying that, okay? <laughs> I said, hey, I'm, I'm just having a good time on my way overseas. And he said, where are you going? And it's funny because sometimes when God is asking a question, I've learned this now. When God is asking you questions, he's not necessarily looking for information. He already knows. He's wanting to reveal something to you that you may not know. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Egypt. I'm going to Israel. He said, oh, and where's Egypt? Egypt. It's in, oh, my goodness. (laughs) I about freaked out. I didn't realize that I was on my way to Africa. I didn't realize that. Didn't realize I was on my way to Africa. Some of you probably didn't either. Didn't realize that Egypt is in Africa. Man, I about came undone. 
And you know, since that, so I went, went to uh, Africa, went to Israel, had a time of my life, one of my favorite trips. But what I realized, and since that time, I've been to Kenya between 10 and 12 times. I was trying to recount and count them up. Between 10 to 12 times, I've been to Kenya. So obviously, God broke my heart for Africa, right? And he sent me to Africa a dozen times. And he's paid for every trip, all the expenses, and I've had the full blessing of the elders. The ones that said no to me the first time. The ones who I knew were missing God. I knew they were missing God because of what God put in my heart. Are you hearing me? They weren't missing God. They didn't miss God. See, a lot of times when God puts something in our hearts, it can be real, but it may not be all correct. And see, I had parts of it right, but I had misinterpreted parts of it. His intention wasn't for me to take the youth to Africa. His intention was for him to send me to Africa. What if I would have kept that attitude towards these men who were missing it? I probably wouldn't have been going to Africa. What was God concerned? What was he more concerned about? Me going to Africa or him being able to do what he wanted to do in me? So that when I go to Africa, I have something to offer besides a bad attitude. How many people, and I know people, who went to their leaders and said, the Lord told me this and this and this. And the leaders didn't necessarily agree with it. They're like, fine, you guys are missing God. I'm going to do it anyway. And it typically doesn't go over too well. You know, I, th- I can think of a person who many, many years ago shared with, the, I wasn't an elder at the time, but shared with the elders what this person believed God was calling him to do. And the elders didn't agree with it, whether it was the timing or whatever. They just didn't bear witness with it. And he got upset, and he's like, fine, I'm going to do it anyway. And that was many, many, 20, maybe 20 years ago. I lose track of time. And it still doesn't seem to be going right with this individual as far as the calling that he believes God is in his life. It is such a struggle financially. I'm going to share what I learned out of that experience. What that experience taught me, one, God's yes is a whole lot bigger than man's no. Ever since that time when God was showing me, son, I care more about you than you realize. I know more than you think I know. And what happened in me is my view of God has been exalted and elevated. I see that God is a whole lot bigger than man. And see, that may sound cliche, but a lot of us don't believe that. We don't believe that. Because we're afraid to submit what we believe God has put in our hearts to the authorities and the spiritual leaders that he's put in our lives because we're afraid that they may not agree with it. And see, if God put it in your heart and if God, if this is God's deal, then guess what? He's going to cause it to come to pass as long as you submit to his process. And see, that's the thing right there. 
Just because it's God's will doesn't mean it's going to happen. I'm going to say that again because I just got some of your attention. Just because it's God's will doesn't mean it's going to happen. Now, if you don't believe that, ask the children of Israel. We know it was God's will for them to go into the promised land. Was it or was it not? He prepared it for his kids to go into that promised land. And many of them did not because of their disobedience. Because of their unbelief, their grumbling, their complaining, and not submitting to God's process. They didn't have faith. See, it's easy to have faith in God. Oh, I believe in God. But what about in what God has set up, his body? See, my choose, my, the expression of my faith comes when, in how I choose to deal with the body of Christ. That shows the true expression of my faith. Because, see, I can say all day that I believe in God, I trust God, I'm reading the Bible, I'm praying and everything. But it's how I interact and deal with you that shows my true faith. That's what the Bible teaches. So God showed me through that, that his yes is a whole lot bigger than man's no. And what God wants to do, no man can stop as long as I commit to and submit to him and his process. God is interested in growing us up more than he is our ministries, our callings, and our purpose. God is more interested in growing you up and me up than he is our purpose, our calling, our ministries. Because he knows that the ministry that he wants will come out of the character of Christ that, he, that we allow for him to raise up in us. See, too many people get excited about the call, but they short-circuit the process. And then they may get over here to where God wants them to be, but they cheated, got their head of time, and they don't have the character in them to maintain that ministry. And so they may somehow have manipulated themselves in a way to get what they want, and they can't, they can't handle it. They can't keep it. And that's why the journey is important. So as I'm going and he's dealing with my attitudes and dealing with the bitterness and the resentment that I've allowed to build up over other stuff, he wants to deal with that because he wants me to be free. So then guess what? When I get to that ministry and I'm able to encourage people, guess what I get to encourage them with? With the very things that God encouraged me with. If I've overcome, whether it's pornography or other addictions, or it's bitterness or whatever, then when I come up to a person and they're struggling with that same thing, I can say, man, let me tell you what God has done in my life. But if I skip the process, then all I am is just a hollow whatever, making a bunch of noise. Anybody can get up in front of people and read Scripture. But it's when you and I allow him to develop his character in us. And then we stand before people and they say, wow, that person, that lady over there is talking with authority. There's something about her. It's like, what is that? It's the character of Christ in her. And people see that. They recognize. They smell it. They feel it. They, they're like, there's something different. There's something different. See, unfortunately, a lot of people in the church act the same way as the people outside the church because we have the same attitudes. Because we don't allow God to deal with those attitudes. See, what God was putting his finger on was my independent attitude and my attitude towards authority. I didn't know I had that attitude. Until he told me something and the leadership of my life said no to it. It's like, hmm, what you going to do now? See, that's what God was saying. What you going to do now, son? Well, I'm going to follow you. Forget man. I don't need man. It's between me and Jesus. 
I don't need man. I hope you're hearing something. I've seen too many lives get destroyed. I remember this one person, and, and it was such a tragic thing. And this person came in through our body years ago, and man, she was a mess, but she was so gifted. But what had happened is she had experienced bad stuff, abuse from her father, neglect and unfaithfulness from her husband. And so she decided, I can't trust men. So the only authority I'm going to have is Jesus. The only authority I'm going to have is Jesus. I trust Jesus. He won't hurt me. So, but that's not the option that Jesus gives us. He didn't say, I know you've been hurt. I know you've been disappointed. I know you've been betrayed. I know all this. And so because of that, you don't have to follow my written word because you're special. I'm going to do something different with you. You don't have to submit to any authorities that I place in your life because I know your, your lack of trust for them. And with you, it's just going to be me and you directly. Everybody else has to go through the other process. But with me and you, you can skip all that. And somehow that's how this person believed. And you know what happened? She opened herself up to deception. She opened herself up to deception. And that's what happens when we don't recognize and honor and submit to the spiritual leadership that God has placed in our lives. The Bible says in James chapter 4, I believe, submit to God, then resist the devil, and the devil will flee. When it's saying submit to God, it's not talking about just submit to God, although that's where you start. But it's submit to God, and I believe the leadership that he's placed in your life. And then you have the authority to resist the devil, and he has to flee. If you're not properly lined up under spiritual authority, then you have no authority over the demonic. Let me say that again. If you are not properly lined up under spiritual authority, then you have no spiritual authority. I've seen too many people's lives get wrecked. It's so discouraging when, when people, and see, it's not that you're submitting to, I need to submit to, you know, Cornell's going to be the pastor. I'm going to submit to Cornell or the elders. I need to submit to, no, it's, it's the gift that God has placed in them. They're gifts in your life. And God wants to provide wisdom and encouragement and counsel through the leadership that he's placed in your life. And a lot of times I'm good with that unless I disagree with them. You know, okay, yeah, Cornelia, he's my pastor and everything. Yeah, man, you're, you're awesome. Praise God. Wait, what'd you say? No, uh-uh. As soon as I disagree, then all of a sudden I remove myself because I have that, that right. Because I am an adult. I can do exactly what I want to, right? And so I remove myself from my spiritual leadership because I disagree. I see a lot of people do that. And it doesn't end well. It doesn't end well. In conclusion, God will use spiritual leaders in our lives to provide for us wise counsel, God's timing, help us to see what we're not able to see ourselves, and he will protect us from wrong timing, misinterpretation of a word, dream, or vision from him, and deception.
Too often, we only go to people we know will agree with us. A lot of times we want confirmation. God speaks something to us or we believe he did. And too often, we go to the people that we know will agree with us so that they will agree and they will provide the confirmation that we want. And a lot of times, and I've seen this over the years, over the years, and I've been a pastor for nine, been in church leadership for 30, and I've seen this for a long time. Many people won't go to the leadership to say, hey, here's what I believe God is wanting to do. I'm inviting you to speak into this. That's not what people do. They say, this is what God told me to do, and I'm doing it. I'm just letting you know. There is a difference. There is a difference. I'll close with this. When Lisa and I shared, and many of you know the journey that we're on, we believe that the Lord told us to, he's transitioned me out of being pastor and he's moving us to California. We wrestled with that. We prayed about it dealt with it, and then we agreed we need to talk to the elders, not to tell them this is what we're doing, but we came to them saying, this is what we believe God is saying. We're inviting you to speak into this, to pray with us, because we want to know for sure if this is what God is saying. This is pretty big. This isn't, we're trying to decide which Walmart we're going to go to, the one on this side of town or the other one. And so that was our heart, is we want to know. And so we trust what God has placed in you and on you. And so we're submitting to that process. That's a scary thing, because they might not agree. What if they would have said, you know, I'm really not feeling this. I'm not sure about this. I don't know if I agree that this is God. Then what will we have done? We would have waited. Say, God, are, are you saying this? What's, what are we missing here? But each of the elders, as we talked to them, we talked to them collectively, or I did, and then we met with them separately and their spouse. And after we shared, and Lisa got to share her perspective, they all said, we believe this is the Lord. And after every single one of them said that, then we started the process of moving forward. Because I trust in God, and I trust in his word, and I trust in the leadership that he's placed in my lives. And I'm going to get the benefit of that. Would you stand with me? If you close your eyes for a second. Um. I know this isn't a light thing that I talked about today. I recognize that. And as I share, I don't know what you're hearing. I don't know what's going on inside of you. I know some of you may be dealing with the challenges that you faced in the past because of the spiritual abuse that you received from spiritual leaders. But just because we've experienced abuse and, and bad things from people who misuse their authority doesn't mean that we just disqualify God's word. 
And so I just want to invite you just to ask the Lord right now to help you come into alignment with his word that we talked about today, how he sees that you need to come into alignment with it. Just have a quick conversation with him. He may tell you some things you need to do or change, whether it's your mindset or whatever. Just have a conversation with him. Father, we thank you that when you, the direction you have for us, your will for our lives, you want that to happen more than we want it to happen. And so I pray that we would recognize that we can trust you. Regardless of how people respond or react, we can trust you. And we choose to put our trust in your word. We're not putting our trust necessarily in people that they're going to be perfect. But we're trusting the process that you've established. We're trusting your body of believers, our brothers and sisters. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. There is a lot of change going on. There's a lot of movement happening. And Lord, particularly in this season, we want to make sure that we are totally in alignment with you and so we submit to your process. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for the grace that's available right now that you're making that's present for us to be able to walk through this time in peace and joy. Thank you for that. Father, we give you praise, we give you honor, and we love you. We say thank you for our brothers and sisters. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, we are having lunch together now. Actually, Father, thank you for this food that we're about to receive. We thank you for providing it. And we ask your blessing on it in Jesus' name. Amen. We, everyone's welcome to stay and join us for a meal together in the fellowship hall. God bless you.